Get ready for the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast for confused Americans. And now, fresh from his morning nap, Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you joining us. Welcome. Welcome to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. It's a beautiful, warm, sunny day in Arizona. September is uh, a month of perfect weather almost everywhere, I'm told, and it certainly is pretty nice here. There are those who complain about the 100-degree heat, but I'm not one of them. I'm here to help brighten your day by sharing Medicare knowledge with you. And the Medicare knowledge I have to share is almost painless in its acquisition and almost fun in its consumption. What I recommend for you is that you buy a copy of my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. The current edition is the 2023 edition. And uh, when you decide to sit down with a cocktail or uh, some other libation uh, and read that book, you're going to find yourself completely finished in a very short time, and you will have acquired Medicare knowledge that you never thought existed. I want to make it as simple and painless as possible for you to learn what you need to know about Medicare, and that will not include any of the detail that's uh, crammed into the 425-page book, Medicare for Dummies. That is a fine book. I have nothing bad to say about it except your traditional Medicare enrollee, like you, looking for a painless way to understand Medicare so they don't make any expensive mistakes. You don't need a 425 book entitled Medicare for Dummies. What you need is a hmm, 71 or 81 page book named Medicare for the Lazy Man, because that will digest all of the important Medicare information down to the user level. And you being the user will find yourself fully equipped to uh, encounter Medicare and to come out the victor. And if I can be of service to you, you'll find my contact information in the book. I always make myself available to those who are approaching Medicare, who have questions and who need advice. And I uh, never fail to stop and uh, respond to them when they contact me. And so I'm hoping I'll have an opportunity to uh, interact with you when your time comes. In any event, uh, the guy whose time has come with me is uh, Randy Carson. He and I are embarking on another Medicare for the Lazy Man episode. Isn't it exciting, Randy? It is. I love every one of these. But I have one special thing that I should mention today. I was listening to some of our previous episodes, not not you know too long ago, but some certainly some previous episode that you had mentioned that Things like tetanus shots are now available and be paid for by your drug plan, right? Yeah, vaccines. Vaccines, for the most part, many more vaccines are free of charge now. Yeah, so I wanted to point out, because you have probably, if you've listened to our podcast more than once or twice, you, I'm sure, have picked up on the fact that Randy is not in favor of Medicare Advantage plans, nor is Doug. Absolutely not. I have a name for them. 
Ooh, Metacrap. we have several names. Several <laughs> names. Metacrap is just the latest and maybe one of the best. I think so. So I was going to tell you guys that, you know, you have to stay away to, you know, for your own well-being, stay away from Medicare Advantage zombies, which is what we refer to the people that try to sell you this stuff. And I was going to say, because we can now get tetanus shots for a reasonable price, if not free, you might want to consider that if a Medicare zombie gets anywhere close to you. I agree. Uh, you need protection. And frankly, you need more than just the uh, minimum amount of protection. I would say, uh, you know, double up on that protection if you can. We are drawing close. By the time this episode airs, we will be sneaking closer to the beginning of AEP, which is the annual election period, which those Medicare Advantage zombies refer to as open enrollment. And why do they call it open enrollment? It's a period of time from October 15th until December 7th when the individuals that are uh, eligible by reason of age, mostly for people are, that are 65 or older, uh, they may enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan if they have failed to do so prior to now and they're going without protection. They can enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan or a prescription drug plan and then there won't be any uh, <clears throat> negative consequence for them, except, well, no, there won't really be any negative consequence except for having gone without protection for a period of time. So if they do decide to enroll in a plan during open enrollment or AEP, annual election period, then that plan will take effect January 1st. So that creates a frenzy of Medicare zombies. Uh, falling all over themselves to try to get to you to get you to sign on the dotted line. And it doesn't do very much for the Medicare supplement people. Uh, those of us who have higher standards than the Medicare Advantage zombies, it doesn't give you a free time that you can enroll. Uh, if you fail to enroll in a Medicare supplement plan, uh, you still have to show evidence of good health. So I still strongly encourage people to enroll in that Medicare supplement plan right after you get your Part B of Medicare, because that's the period of time when you do not have to answer any health questions. So Randy touched a nerve with me by talking about the Medicare Advantage zombies, and I just wanted to warn people that that time of the year is approaching. It's just going to be a feeding frenzy for several, yeah, probably two months. You got it, and I'm going to do my best to make sure, I, I certainly, I am not the uh, Medicare expert, Doug is, but I know from personal experience, uh, family members, friends, relatives, it's not a good deal. Medicare Advantage plans, I don't call them Medicrap for nothing. Now, if you value freedom of choice, then Medicare supplement is where you want to be. If you enroll in a Medicare supplement plan and pay your premium when due, nobody can can ever take it away from you. If you enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan and you stay there a year or more, then you will not have the opportunity to enroll in a Medicare supplement plan without proving evidence of good health. And some people, you know, have that day come and go when uh, their health goes over the line. They've acquired something that's uh, causing them not to be eligible for the best Medicare supplement plan in the world or the best Medicare plan in the world, and then they'll never be able to acquire it. 
So I encourage everyone who is turning 65 to give careful consideration to enrolling in a Medicare supplement plan because you can always change to a Medicare Advantage if you decide to in the future. If you enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan, your freedom of choice will be taken away from you eventually, and you won't have the opportunity to improve your coverage up to the Medicare supplement plan. But <clears throat> that's the way life goes. Um, uh, some people don't realize that, and therefore I am here and Randy is here to make sure that people at least are given the knowledge that they need. And speaking of knowledge, uh, the one the one way that I acquire knowledge that I can share with you is to have the content curator the on the staff of the Medicare for the Lazy Men, and she worked overtime. I'm sitting here surrounded by stacks of uh, documents that have uh, yellow highlights and orange highlights, and uh, these are things that she thought it might be important to share with you, and frankly, she's adding to the stacks faster than I can whittle them down. For instance, here is one article about veterans and the Medicare Part B penalty. Some veterans fall into a trap, and they wind up paying a lifetime late enrollment penalty because they didn't in part, uh, enroll in Part B when they had the opportunity to. This, this is by Diane Omdahl, who is a Medicare a uh, specialist in Wisconsin who writes a lot of pithy Medicare informational columns, but she doesn't sell any Medicare um, products at all like I do. So she says that her opinions are as pure as they can be. And that may be true, but frankly, I think my opinions are pretty pure and uh, oriented around the benefit of the, uh, the client and so I have nothing to apologize for, even though I do sell Medicare-related products. So in this uh, particular article, she refers to somebody named Hank, who is a veteran. And he wrote Diane Omdahl to say he doesn't understand why veterans have to pay a penalty just because they don't enroll in Medicare Part B, uh, which is called medical insurance. It's really for all medical expenses arising from outpatient treatment, any Treatment that you have that doesn't involve you being locked up in a hospital or a nursing home is a Part B expense. And he wanted answers to some questions about the Part B late enrollment penalty. His first question is, why is there a penalty if somebody doesn't enroll in Part B? And here's Diane's answer. Medicare's rationale for imposing a late enrollment penalty is to encourage eligible individuals to enroll. However, that penalty does not seem to be working as Medicare uh, would have liked. In 2017, a Congressional Research Services study reported that approximately 700,000 people were paying the penalty, the late enrollment penalty, which increased their monthly premiums by an average of 31%. The numbers have only gone up since then. Besides the Part B late enrollment penalties, uh, they also apply to Part, uh, besides Part B, late enrollment penalties also apply to Part A and to Part D. Uh, part A is hospital and nursing home insurance. Part D is prescription drug coverage. The next question is, how come this penalty is so expensive? I have a buddy paying $80 more every month. And Diane's response is, the penalty applies to those who don't enroll in Part B during their initial enrollment period or during a special enrollment period, like, for instance, retiring after turning 65. They will pay an additional 10% of the current Part B premium for every full year 
that they didn't have Part B. Hank's buddy went five years without Part B. He is paying a 10% uh, penalty of $164.90 for each of those years, a total of $82.45. Because the penalty is pegged to the Part B premium, the amount can change every year. And unfortunately, it follows one for life. There is no limit on the number of years a beneficiary must pay it. One more procedural point. Those who miss their chance cannot enroll in Part B until the general enrollment period from January to the end of March. Coverage will take effect the month after the enrollment. So if you blow off your Medicare enrollment, Medicare Part A or Part B, if you don't do it when you should have done it, you can't just do it any old time you decide to in the future. You have to do it between January and March, or actually between January 1st and March 31st. Otherwise, you'll have to wait another nine months until the following January 1st, and that just piles on more penalty. Question, who thinks it's a good idea to make elderly veterans pay a penalty for every year they didn't have Part B? Answer, I don't believe anybody thinks paying penalties is a good idea. As noted, it is an enrollment incentive. It's not only veterans who pay the penalty, it applies to anyone over 65 who does not have coverage through an employer group health plan related to current employment of the individual or a spouse. This includes those who have uh, who do not have health care coverage along with all who have retired COBRA individual or federal coverage and did not enroll in Part B. Next question. Finally, why do I even need Part B? I have used it once since I enrolled three years ago. I could just as easily have gone to see my VA provider. And the answer is the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs can answer this better than I. And here's a quote from their um, their paperwork. VA does not recommend that veterans cancel or decline coverage in Medicare solely because they are enrolled in VA health care. Unlike Medicare, which offers the same benefits for all enrollees, VA assigns enrollees to enrollment priority groups based on a variety of eligibility factors, such as service connection and income. There is no guarantee that in future years, Congress will appropriate sufficient Medicare uh, medical care funds for the VA to provide care for all enrollment priority groups. This could leave veterans, especially those enrolled in one of the lower priority groups, with no access to VA health care coverage. For this reason, having a secondary source of coverage may be in the veteran's best interest. I couldn't have stated that better myself. Enrolling in both VA and Medicare can provide veterans flexibility. For example, veterans enrolled in both programs would have access to community physicians under Medicare Part A or Part B and can enroll in prescription drugs not on the VA formulary if prescribed by community physicians and filled at their local retail pharmacies under Medicare Part D. Remember, for many elderly veterans, getting to a VA facility can present a real challenge. You may be spry as a cat at 65, but what about at 75 or 80? The best thing you can do for yourself, even before you become eligible, is evaluate your situation carefully, determine that Part B may work for you, do a cost-benefit analysis, taking into consideration the lifelong impact of the penalty, and those answers probably won't make Hank feel any better about the Part B late enrollment penalty, but at least he'll know that veterans are not alone. Well, here's the deal. Uh, a friend of mine 
a woman I've known ever since uh, she was probably in eighth grade, married a guy who used the VA as his um, primary medical treatment uh, service. And um, he was quite happy with that. One morning, about a year ago, he woke up expressing chest pains to his wife. And she said, well, I'll take you over to the local hospital. And he said, no, let's go into Chicago. That was about an hour drive. And uh, let's go to the Heinz VA hospital in Chicago, where they will take care of me uh, free of charge. And so he, she took him in there. He got out uh, at the emergency entrance. They rushed him into their emergency room. And then uh, a representative came back to the wife in the waiting room and said, okay, he's stable. We think everything's going to be just fine. And we will uh, let you know about the next steps. Uh, that person showed up again in about a half an hour and said, your husband is dead. And it wasn't the fault necessarily of Heinz Hospital uh, or the VA. I believe the fault was in the decision that the husband made to not go to the closest place for treatment, but instead to uh, be driven an hour away to a VA hospital. Now, I don't know whether he had Part B or didn't have Part B, but I know that that was a bad decision. And not having all of Medicare coverage when you're first eligible is probably going to be a bad decision, even for veterans that have a lot of uh, VA uh, eligibility. So that's my um, opinion. When somebody asks me if uh, a veteran with VA coverage really needs Medicare, I say, yes, if you don't get it, you may find yourself in a position where you'll wish you had it, but it will be too late for you. So let's move on to something a lot more fun and rewarding. I've got an article here that seems pretty cool. It's entitled Medical Myths, and it's all about dementia. And Randy and I uh, certainly are familiar with dementia because we every day we get up and we check ourselves to see if it's settled in yet. And uh, so far, at least for Randy, it hasn't. I can tell him that. I don't know about for me. Uh, I could be babbling and, and never really know it. And everybody around me is probably too polite to warn me about it. But in this particular article, um, we've got some dementia talk that I want to shorten because, frankly, who wants to talk about dementia to the extent uh, that this article addresses it? Welcome to the latest edition of our Medical Myths series. To mark World Alzheimer's Day, we'll be tackling myths related to both Alzheimer's disease and dementia at large. Dementia is not a normal part of aging. Uh, today, an estimated almost 6 million people aged 65 years or older in the United States have dementia. Due to the fact that the average lifespan of people in the U.S. has increased over recent decades, some experts project that by 2050, the number of adults with dementia could reach 13.8 million. Figures of this stature spark justifiable fear. As we have found in previous articles, fear tends to breed misconceptions. In this article, we aim to dispel 11 of the myths surrounding dementia. Number one of these myths, dementia is inevitable with age. This statement is not true. Uh, the risk is increasing as we age. Um, let's see, 17% of people from 75 to 84 and 32% of people aged 85 and older have a dementia diagnosis. Number two, dementia and Alzheimer's disease are the same thing. That is not correct either. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia accounting for 60 to 80% of all dementia cases. Other types of dementia include 
frontal temporal dementia, vascular dementia, mixed dementia, and Lewy body dementia. That's what Robin Williams had. That's L-E-W-Y body dementia. Although dementias share certain characteristics, each type has a distinct underlying pathology. Alzheimer's disease is associated with a buildup of plaque and tangles in the brain. These structures interfere with brain cells individually or eventually killing them. In contrast, brain cell death in vascular dementia occurs due to a lack of oxygen, which can result from a stroke, for instance. Uh, the number, the three, uh, number third, number third, the, the third um, misconception about dementia is a family member has dementia, so I will probably get it. This is a common myth that dementia is purely genetic. In other words, a person's family member has dementia diagnosis. They are guaranteed to develop uh, dementia later in their life, but this is not true. Although there's a genetic component to some forms of dementia, the majority of cases do not have a strong genetic link. Uh, the most significant risk factor for dementia is age. However, if a parent or grandparent developed Alzheimer's when they were younger than 65, the chance of passing it on genetically is higher. Early onset Alzheimer's is relatively uncommon, though. It occurs in about 5.5% of all Alzheimer's cases. As the majority of dementia cases are Alzheimer's disease, this means that most dementia cases are not hereditary, which is, uh, let's see, uh, FTD, uh, frontal temporal dementia, is much less common. It has a stronger genetic link, but if a parent or grandparent develops that condition, it does not mean that children or grandchildren are guaranteed to develop it. Number four, the myth of uh, the number of number four myth of dementia. It only affects older adults. Age is a risk factor for dementia, but dementia can affect younger adults in rare cases. Uh, some scientists estimate that in people aged 30 to 64 years, 38 to 260 people in 100,000. Eh, okay, uh, less than 1% develop early onset dementia. In the 55 to 64 age bracket, this increases to about four-tenths of a percent. So it's pretty unlikely that people are under age 65 are going to get any kind of dementia, but it does exist. Number five myth, using aluminum pans causes Alzheimer's. In the 1960s, scientists injected rabbits with high levels of aluminum. They found that the animals developed neurological lesion, lesions similar to those that form in the brains of people with Alzheimer's. Additionally, some studies um, have identified aluminum within the plaques associated with Alzheimer's. However, aluminum also appears in the healthy brain, and researchers have not established a causal link between aluminum and Alzheimer's. Um, so, let's see, using aluminum pots and pans is not a factor, they don't think, in creating or uh, causing Alzheimer's disease. Aluminum in food, in food and drink in a form that is not easily absorbed in the body. Hence, the amount taken up is less than 1% of the amount present in food and drink. Most of the aluminum taken into the body is cleaned out by the kidneys. Number six, myth of dementia. Dementia signals the end of a meaningful life. Thankfully, this is not the case. Many people with dementia diagnosis lead active and meaningful lives. Some people fear that if a doctor diagnoses them with dementia, they will no longer be able to go for a walk alone 
and will have to stop driving their vehicle immediately. It's true that these adjustments may come in time as the condition progresses, but in mild cases of dementia, no changes may be necessary. As dementia worsens, changes to the way an individual leads their life are likely, but that does not mean that the person cannot lead a fulfilling life. Uh, memory loss is always uh, uh, accompanied by, or dementia is always accompanied by memory loss. Although memory loss can be an early symptom in dementia, it does not necessarily signify the start of this condition. Early signs and symptoms of certain types of dementia can include changes in mood and personality, language difficulties, and obsessive behavior, but this is not always the case. Number eight, dementia is always preventable. This, unfortunately, is not true. Importantly, though, certain factors can either reduce the risk of certain types of dementia or delay their onset. For instance, in, uh, for instance, in Lancet, that's the British uh, medical journal, they reported 12 factors that increase the risk of dementia. And I think we've been through these before. Uh, I'll read them quickly. Less education, hypertension, hearing impairment, smoking, obesity, depression, physical inactivity, diabetes, low levels of social contact, alcohol consumption, traumatic brain injury, and air pollution. Some of those factors are more difficult to modify than others, but uh, in any event, um, changing any of them might help reduce the risk of developing dementia. Together, those 12 risk factors account for around 40% of worldwide dementias, which consequently could be theoretically prevented or delayed. Reducing your risk requires starting lifestyle changes from the get-go, not waiting around until you're 70. Okay, the ninth myth of dementia is vitamins and supplements can prevent dementia. Hogwash. Um, that's the short version. Number 10, all people with dementia become aggressive. In some cases, people with dementia might find it increasingly hard to make sense of the world around them. This confusion can be frustrating, and some individuals might respond to the emotions in an angry manner. However, this is not the case for everyone. In a study involving 215 people with dementia, 41% of the participants developed aggression during the two-year study. When they looked at factors that increased the risk of developing aggression, the researchers identified two of the primary factors as physical pain and low-quality relationship between the person and their caregiver. Finally, number 11 myth, the 11th myth of dementia. Dementia is never fatal. That is a myth. Unfortunately, dementia can be fatal. According to a 2020 study, among adults age uh, 70 to 100, dementia may be more common cause of death than experts have traditionally thought. The authors found that approximately 13% of deaths were attributable to dementia over the 10-year period starting in 2000. So that's the uh, those are the 11 myths about dementia. I will talk about um, the aggression. My grandmother and her sister both became demented, probably Alzheimer's, at about the same time. And when you put those two ladies in a uh, room together, my grandmother was hell on wheels. She wasn't necessarily aggressive. She just wasn't friendly and cooperative. She wasn't her normal self. She was uh, difficult to get along with and highly agitated most of the time walked her dog incessantly, tried to call American Airlines to make reservations to fly from Illinois to Phoenix uh, and things like that. Her sister, roughly the same age, 
would sit there and just smile. And if you mentioned the uh, beautiful day that we were having, how nice the weather was, she would just engage in a conversation about that and be happy all day long. Nothing ever bothered her after she lost her marbles. So uh, that was my observation of two related women and how they handled uh, or how they were affected by uh, what I think was Alzheimer's individually. Randy, uh, let me know if I ever get too aggressive to continue this uh, podcast and uh, <laughs> we can try to calm me down somehow. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, Doug, but I do have some interesting information. Even though our 75 cents is up, I'm going, I'm going to mention one thing uh, along with some of my other closure comments that I think is important. Um, but let's land the plane. First of all, always keep track of Doug's email address, dbj at mlmmailbag.com. And I have a little contest for everybody today to use that dbj at mlmmailbag.com. A couple episodes ago, Doug and I were talking about Star Trek, one of our favorite series. And I just wanted you to know that I'm going to give you this a number that represents a star date, okay? You remember, you guys that listen to Star Trek will know what star dates are. 47634.44 star date, okay? So I want you to figure out what day that is and write Doug and let him know that you figured it out. Tell me that That'll number again. 47634.44. Is that a real thing? Yeah. You're not pulling our legs then, our collective nope, legs. That's that's a star date based on how Star Trek used to calculate them. I don't think I have enough fingers to work this out uh, without <laughs> at least paper and pencil. Oh, I think I think everybody's going to have fun with this. So, dbj at mlmmailbag.com, star date 47634.44. Other things I always like to close out on is always remember that Doug is a licensed, licensed nationwide agent to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out on MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. We would certainly appreciate you finding a place to give us a review on the book and the podcast. It always helps us out. We would be ever so appreciative of that. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a number of different places, and you weren't. You were with us spending a few quality moments with Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. But if you weren't paying attention on your watch, you have just spent in case you didn't know, 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's camped out in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his Fortress of Solitude, which is coming in at about 5,000 feet. I love the warmth and the lower elevations. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. And we will look forward to seeing you next time for sure. Bye-bye. <laughs>